Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Media Conference Call. Thank you for joining and for your interest in Sunday Night Baseball. We're here to discuss the start of the 2019 Major League Baseball season and the 30th season of Sunday Night Baseball, which continues as the exclusive national game of record each week in the sport. Note that as announced and discussed, the start time has changed uh, to 7 p.m. Eastern for Sunday Night Baseball here in its 30th season. So today we're joined by our two Sunday Night Baseball analysts entering their second season of work together. We have World Series champion Alex Rodriguez. Alex is starting his second season with ESPN. And we have Olympic gold medalist Jessica Mendoza, who is entering now her fourth full season on Sunday Night Baseball after famously becoming the first woman to call nationally televised MLB games in 2015. So thank you to Alex and Jessica for joining. Alex and Jessica will join play-by-play voice Matt Veskersian and veteran reporter Buster Olney to round out the Sunday Night Baseball team for the second straight season. The crew will call ESPN's exclusive opening night game on Thursday, March 28th, just one week from today. 7 p.m. Eastern as the World Series champion Boston Red Sox visit the Seattle Mariners. Following the game, ESPN will televise Pivot with Alex Rodriguez, a special on ESPN2. The special telecast will feature several in-depth interviews conducted by Alex with multiple guests, including World Series champion manager Alex Cora. The Sunday Night Baseball team will then call its first Sunday game of the season on March 31st as the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper host the Atlanta Braves at 7 p.m. So for more information on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball schedule, visit ESPNMediaZone.com. Also on the line today, we have Mark Gross. Mark is ESPN Senior Vice President of Production and Remote Events, and as a part of his role, works closely with our Sunday Night Baseball team. So before we get to media questions, I'm going to turn it over to Mark for some brief comments and a production overview of the season. Go ahead, Mark. Thanks, Ben, and thanks for everybody who uh, who's called in. We're, we're obviously excited for, for opening day, although we've, we've already had two early morning games with the A's and Mariners, but we are excited for uh, certainly for, for next Thursday and for the entire season. Uh, for Sunday Night Baseball, I think we, we've got a terrific booth terrific group of uh, diverse talent, whether it be Matt, Jessica, Alex, and Buster, all bringing something different to the table. And, uh, and it's certainly nice to have the same group together for the second straight year to, to build on what we thought was a, was a really strong uh, 2018, in which uh, we thought from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, uh, I would say that, that the booth certainly improved and, and evolved um, over time. Um, as far as just a overall philosophy, uh, we're big on you know, keeping it simple. Uh, we are all about, and what we're telling all our folks this year is we want more. Uh, we want more storytelling. We want more anecdotes. We want more access. We want more innovation. So those are our, that's our very simple, straightforward look at how we're approaching this season. Uh, we're excited to be going to London uh, with, uh, with the Sunday night crew for a Sunday morning Eastern time game uh, the day before Wimbledon starts. 
and we're obviously excited to be going to uh, back to Williamsport for the Major League Baseball Little League World Series Classic uh, in August. As far as ratings, uh, we felt really good about where we were. We were up 3% uh, overall on our Major League Baseball coverage last year, uh, Baseball Tonight, in which Jess and Alex both appear on, was up uh, close to 15%. And then heading into this year, um, Ben mentioned Bryce Harper uh, on the 31st of March. We also have five uh, Red Sox and Yankees games uh, on the schedule right now. So uh, we're excited. We're ready to go. And uh, I will toss it back to Ben, Jess, and Alex. Appreciate it, Mark. And as many of you saw, ESPN has been the exclusive home of the Japan opening series. So we've had two great days of baseball already on our air. Uh, and congratulations on behalf of ESPN to Ichiro on a, a fantastic career. Uh, we were proud to document that moment this morning, the early morning hours. So uh, thanks again, Mark. Let's go right to your questions now. Uh, Let's go to Ron Blum at the Associated Press, followed by Jared Diamond at the Wall Street Journal. Ron. Hi. Uh, this is for Jessica. Do you think uh, managers and players will be more reticent to uh, give you information because you're employed by the Mets? And in situations where the Mets do things that you have to criticize, how will you do it without offending uh, Jeff and uh, Jeff, Jeff and Fred and Brody? Um, well, to answer the first question, um, I feel like that managers and players just, I think working for the media is, is you all know too, is I think they're not as forthcoming for information knowing that most of it's on the record anyway. Um, the teams that I've been around, especially around spring training, I feel like beyond just like the kind of joke of, okay, you work for the Mets, you know, uh, you know, we can't, we can't talk to you anymore in a joking way. Um, they also know and trust that the same information they would give me as a member from ESPN that's about to go on air, um, that they would probably have the same concern with whatever information they give me, um, whether it be me working for the Mets or me working for the media. Um, and as far as being critical of the Mets, I mean, I feel like, you know, even part of my job is to kind of look and evaluate um, and, and knowing that, to be honest, I'm an analyst first. So however I see them, um, whatever is natural for me to, to, to come out, I mean, first I would probably be the first of us sitting in an office with the Wilpons or with Brody to say the same to them. Um, I hope that that's why they hired me is because of my honesty and criticism and not just to say all the, the right things or the good things, but honestly, the, the honest and real things. Um, so on air, I feel like I would be the same um, because that's how I would be to them um, in front of them. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Let's go to Jared Diamond with the Wall Street Journal, followed by Andrew Marshand with the New York Post. Hey, uh, Alex. Uh, this is for you. How's it going? Um, Alex, I'm curious, um, as someone who benefited from being a free agent uh, multiple times in your career, just what your sort of overall thoughts are of how many players are choosing to sell away free agent years early in their careers? We've seen a lot over the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think it's just a, a, a choice and is a tremendous opportunity to be in a position to either uh, re-up like Mike Trousers did or uh, play it out and, and take a bit of the riskier route uh, like Harper and Manny Machado. I think the teams ultimately hold Trump for the first four or five years, and the minute that the fifth year or sixth year starts, uh, the agent uh, starts – you know, getting a lot of power, and uh, it's hard to uh, unwind that once you get to the sixth year. So you're seeing teams being a little bit smarter. You're seeing uh, players taking a little bit less for security, and uh, I don't blame uh, them. as uh, They're really uh, in a great place, and, and they're capitalizing on it. Thanks, Al. Thank you, Jared. Let's go to Andrew Marchand with the New York Post, followed by Joe Reedy with the Associated Press. Hey, Alex. Um, I saw someplace that you got engaged. Uh, so first off, congrats on that. Um, and then secondly, uh, two questions. Just I'll ask them one at a time. The first one is just when you looked at last year on ESPN in terms of doing games, what were you most happy with in terms of how you were on the air? And your second? Uh, well, I was going to let you answer the first one and, and then ask you the second one. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you for the congrats. Uh, I would just say for the first year, I was happy to get reps. I, I wish we had, you know, 65 games instead of, you know, 27 to 28. I, I love every part of it. I love, you know, spending time with uh, our entire team, you know, from Andrew, who's our leader, uh, Mark and Phil, to um, – all the great producers and cameramen that are just, you know, working their butt off with us every single day that do not get enough attention. Obviously, Matt, uh, Jessica, and Buster, uh, the four of us uh, became, you know, very close and uh, and spent a lot of time not only during the season but in the off season. whether it's, um, you know, with our families, whether it's Jessica and Adam and the two boys or, or Matt and Kimberly and his three children, um, really just getting to know them 365, 24-7, it's something that uh, I really enjoyed, and I relish the opportunity at, uh, like Mark said, uh, second round to get a little bit more from every single one of us. And then my, my second question is, so when, when you look at your broadcast from last year, where do you think you can improve? I think all around. I mean, it, you know, in any time and anything I've taken on a new task, uh, the first year is usually my worst. And I really try to work hard and, and learn from, uh, I wouldn't say mistakes, because I think it's just uh, learning learning process. I think getting more comfortable. I think I ended the year much stronger than I started. Uh, I think really trusting my eyes and understanding that, you know, having 25 years experience at the major league level is, is enough. And really sharing with the audience who is who I'm most loyal to and who I work for is the audience the shareholders of our game, to be fair and accurate. And I think this year I'll be uh, uh, hopefully better. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Let's go to Joe Reedy with the Associated Press, followed by Richard Deitch with The Athletic. Joe. Hey, Alex. I was just wondering if uh, with, the, with the Mike Trout re-signing any similarities as far as with you when you joined Texas since, you know, both situations, 
not really contending. And just for you and Jessica, just the thoughts of a player re-signing and also an owner like Artie Moreno kind of making that investment when the market was kind of slow to develop this year. I defer to Jessica first. Jessica, are you on? I believe Jess was having some connection issues. Brian, if you could look into that. Alex, do you want to you want to take it until she gets back? Yeah, sure. So I, I think um, uh, Joe, Joe, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I see some similarities in where uh, being the highest paid player. I, I think I was the highest paid player for almost 15 years, which was, um, you know, had its challenges. Obviously, uh, very, very fortunate to be in that position, as is Mike Trout today. Um, different in which he re-upped, uh, and I signed as free agent to Texas. Uh, his both times I actually signed as free agents, but obviously there's challenges when you're in a in a in a not contending team, and you have such a, a high price tag. I think you know you're open for questions, and and baseball's full of those questions. But I think Mike Trout is a, an incredible player. Uh, a great ambassador of our game, and I think Ari Moreno made made a, a great, great decision uh, investing and doubling down on the very best. I've always find that when you invest uh, in the very best, uh, you're looking for a fair, fair price for a great asset. You're not looking to uh, pay a great price for a fair asset. So in this case, I think Ari wins again. Uh, that franchise is worth probably 10, 10 or 12 times more than what he bought it um, almost two decades ago. And, uh, yeah, so I think I think overall it's a, it's a great decision. Jessica Thank you, Joe. Joe. Okay. Joe, Joe, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I believe, I believe no, Jessica's I just, back. Okay. No, we're just wondering, just from Jessica's perspective, um, the thought of uh, Trout resigning with the Angels and just Moreno kind of uh, kind of doing the resigning and what was a slow free agent market to develop. Joe, we apologize. We're having some connection issues with Jessica's line. We'll um, when we get her back, we'll get back to you on that. Okay. Sounds good, Ben. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Richard Deitch with The Athletic, followed by David Barron with The Houston Chronicle. Thanks. Uh, ben, is uh, Mark Gross still on the line? Yep. Yes, I'm yeah. here. Oh, good. Mark, um, I wondered if you could sort of uh, inform us on the rationale of having Jessica on Mets games and Alex on Yankee games. If nothing else, if um, if you didn't put them on those games – you sort of protect them in a sense of avoiding to have to answer conflict of interest questions and the questions that Jessica got at the top about, you know, where does your loyalty line? So I wonder where and if those conversations were had at ESPN about when it comes to the teams that they have a financial connection with, not putting them on those games. Uh, the, the, no, there was not. We feel comfortable. I should say, you know, listen, we, we feel comfortable about, having them on the games. You know, we're not looking to fool anybody. We're not looking to, to trick the viewers into any, into anything. 
Um, we think, and we saw even last year, obviously, Alex, we did any number of Yankee games that his com- Alex's commentary last year on a Yankee game, you know, w- was no different than if it was on, on any other game. So we're comfortable with where we're at and that these guys are professionals and that they can be objective. And, um, you know, that yes, they're, they're wearing two hats, but, but there is a way to do it. And, again, we'll be up front with viewers off the top of the game, letting people know. And then, uh, you know, we will let the viewers decide ultimately um, if this is, you know, something that they're, uh, that they're on board with. Appreciate the answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Let's go to David Barron with the Houston Chronicle, followed by Neil Best with Newsday. Uh, you have Alex Rodriguez and Mark Gross. Uh, we're trying to get Jessica's line back. Thank you, Ben. Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah. uh, a general qu- Astros question first, if I may. Uh, they've uh, made some additions, but they've also had some uh, some free agency losses and uh, a couple of players that they have not re-signed. I'm curious if you think the Astros have stood still, advanced, or regressed as they as they make their way into a new season. Ben, who's that for? Uh, that would be for you, Alex, please. If you can repeat that last part of that and maybe speak up just a tad, please. Certainly. I'm curious if you think the Astros, given given their their, their off-season moves, have, have st- stood pat, advanced, or regressed as they prepare for a new season. I think the Astros are in position 1A. Uh, I think what you saw last year was a bit of a, of a hangover. Um, you know, being there in 2009 – and being the world champion, I know 2010 brought some significant challenges for us. Uh, one is starting with, you know, starting pitching and fatigue. Um, obviously, in that offseason, you just by default are right in the middle of a banquet circuit with all the awards, uh, celebrations, uh, you know, a lot of hangovers <laughs> from uh, the, the champagne and all of that. And I think this year they're hungry and uh, – as they were last year, but I think this year they're more rested and and focused to uh, to have a great year. So I think they're in a good spot today and set up beautifully for the future. Uh, I love the extension of Altuve and uh, Alex Bregman as well. Any thoughts on the uh, some of the playing rules changes or some of the some of the changes in terms of speeding up the game that MLB discussed uh, before the uh, or a few weeks ago, and also just the the relatively slow movement uh, in, in some areas of the free agent market this year. Do you think that uh, these changes in terms of the different trading deadline will, will will change up the way that people do business? Look, I, I think any time we can change and be innovative and progressive is good. Uh, I think we can take a lesson or two from the NFL and NBA. Uh, we we were number one for more than half a century, uh, maybe three quarters of a century, and as a result, we we stayed you know good as enemy of great. And I think that that's what you saw in baseball. NFL had nothing to lose, NBA had nothing to lose, and they've done incredible things, including going to China where they have a four billion dollar business and they have over a hundred troops on the ground right now uh, working for the NBA. And Major League Baseball under this ownership and this management with Rob Manfred and Tony Petiti and the people here in Park Avenue. Uh, I think they have a tremendous plan. I think going to London is an incredible move, is a global move. 
and hopefully is the first move where we're going to be there for many, many decades. Uh, I personally went there. I saw the excitement from the Brits. Uh, they're waiting, open hands. We're leading with our very best, Yankee Red Sox, and there'll be a lot more of that. But the more the baseball can get in a position where they're uncomfortable, that's a big win. We have to get away uh, in many ways from our history and look forward and think about what can we do to use our superpowers as superpowers, open up the floodgates, put the content out there, and, and let people fall in love with the greatest game in the world again. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Media Conference call. We have Jessica Mendoza back on the line with Alex Rodriguez and ESPN Senior Vice President Mark Gross. Let's go to Neil Best with Newsday, followed by Mike DiGiovanna with the Los Angeles Times. Uh, This is for Jessica. Could you talk a little bit about how your association with the Mets came about and exactly how you view the the role in terms of everything that it entails? Yeah. Hi, Neil. Um, I, it came about actually when uh, Brody Van Wagenen was being interviewed by the Mets, um, and he had reached out to me. It was probably last August, September, um, around that time frame, and he just was like, look, you know, this is, this is a big move for me. It's something that I'm really considering, and um, I'm um, actually putting you in my presentation, and I just wanted to get – you're okay with that, um, your thoughts. Um, so we kind of started talking about it then. And uh, from there, um, you know, obviously he got the job. He initially had asked, I think a little jokingly, like if I would be willing to move to New York. And I said, I said no, um, that being California-based, my kids in school, all of that, that um, there's no way, especially with my role with ESPN, just to kind of take on a full-blown role. Um, so he came back to me probably later um, with, the option that we're doing now, which is a lot more part-time, um, not as many dates, where I can still um, obviously have ESPN be the priority and be California-based. And I guess you had alluded to this earlier, but yeah, in, in your mind, your your first job is ESPN, and this is sort of your second job. Like, is that is that how you view it? Oh, absolutely. And honestly, Brody does too. I mean, him being an agent and someone that kind of understands just where where my job is and my priorities and he knows my passion for this job and the fact that I still feel like there's so much I want to learn even as an analyst. I think we're all learning, Alex and I both and and Matt and um to know that that's what I'm full board priority with um and that the Mets is something uh, of an opportunity that's definitely secondary to my job with ESPN. Thank you very much. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Let's go to Mike DiGiovanna at the Los Angeles Times, followed by Chad Finn at the Boston Globe. Thanks, Ben. Uh, uh, My Mike Trout-related question was sort of asked earlier by Joe, but maybe, Alex, you can elaborate a little. Um, When you look back on that first monster contract with the Rangers, was there any kind of added layer of pressure or focus that you had to deal with that was maybe difficult at the time? And when you see Trout, do you feel like he's kind of impervious, uh, so to speak, to any of those kind of pressures? Yeah, so I had two big changes, and they were completely different night and day. The Seattle move to Texas was the biggest um, and the most profound uh, 
when I came back to New York, uh, it's a better comparison to Mike Trout. It was business as usual. I did not feel any bit uh, more of pressure than I already faced, you know, uh, sells by playing in New York. Um, but in my first shift from Seattle to Texas, it was a huge uh, added pressure for sure, going from uh, a smaller market, a secondary, tertiary market, to uh, more of a primary market in Dallas. In Dallas. And is there something you've seen in the way Trout maybe handled his first big contract that leads you to believe that won't be an issue here? I don't think so. I mean, he's got, you know, great, great parents. He's got uh, incredible DNA. Speaking to him, he has not changed one bit from the minute he walked into the big leagues. I did a feature for ESPN in one of our um, uh, pregame interviews where he was talking about his hitting and he had as many questions off camera as I had for him on camera. So still incredible amount of humility, hunger. And I do think that while he's off to a historic start, um, you know, he still has not seen his best baseball yet. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Let's go to Chad Finn with the Boston Globe, followed by Dan Martin with the New York Post. Uh, hi, this is uh, for both Alex and Jess. Um, Jess just mentioned, you know, she learned a lot on the job last year working with Alex and Matt for the first time. I- I'm curious, um, specifically, what did both of you learn and how is that going to, uh, you know, improve or uh, affect the broadcast this year? Um I- I can go first. I mean, I feel like getting Alex not only in the booth, but to be able to pick his brain, you know, away from, you know, even when we're on air. Um, Matt, I've I've known both Matt and Alex for a long time, so I think, you know, the chemistry part of it felt a little bit more natural. But to me, I think what blew me away, and um, there were moments like even in a commercial break that Alex would just point something out that he noticed with a pitcher's grip or something that he was picking. Um, Just where his eyes go, um, it it was just to me something that, you know, allowed me to even look for different things that I never probably would have even maybe noticed or looked for in the past. And um, obviously him knowing the game being around the game, but just the stuff that you can't teach, um, just him playing for so long and understanding um, where, you know, where to look, how to look, um, just things that would trigger in his mind. Um, even just seeing his excitement. I mean, we had so many extra inning long games last year, whether it was weather delays, you know, and you start right. to lose your mind a little bit. And I feel like that's when the real personality comes out. And to see Alex's excitement, I mean, there were times we were hour, what, like five, and we're rolling the break, and Alex is just like giddy as all heck. Um, that there's more baseball going to be played. And Matt and I are looking at him like, you got to be kidding me. And it was, it was very natural. I mean, he was very much, you know, a, a kid in that way of just loving the game along with the knowledge. Um, and that helped, I think, you know, for me to just kind of have that appreciation, someone to, to learn from that's different um, that from other people that I had worked with. Um, and then obviously Matt bringing in everything that he did with his knowledge of being around the game for so long and the connections that he has. I mean, Matt, Alex knows, everywhere we would go, there was someone one somewhere that knew Matt, worked with him along the way. Um, everyone, it feels like, is connected to Matt in some way. Um, and that helps me, too. Just I'm always about trying to build relationships and, and meet more people. And Matt was always there to introduce me to, to more and more. Mm-hmm. How about you, Alex? 
you know, for me, it was so much fun to um, to really understand each other's superpower. I mean, Jessica is so curious by nature, brings intellect every day, brings passion, and, and really makes it easy to work off and, and play off. Um, she always asks a lot of, you know, tough questions and challenges in the booth and, and challenges the viewers at home with, with some of her her thoughts and ideas, and some are provocative and some are straight up, and uh, they're very unpredictable, which which I really enjoy. Um, and, and like Jessica said about Matt, Matt is kind of uh, the senior in the booth, right? And and when we have questions, he has answers. And to many, in many ways, he's kind of a co-producer with with Andy. Uh, and and together, they, you know, we do great work. And I really hope that um, we we get to continue exactly how we ended last year because it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable. And uh, uh, the three of us have built uh, hopefully what, what becomes a, a really special bond for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you both. Terrific answers. Let's go to Dan Martin with the New York post followed by Jim Williams with the San Francisco examiner. Hey, uh, Jessica, uh, I was curious now that you've been in your role with the Mets for a couple of weeks, uh, have you gotten any more familiar with, with their organization and, and what have you, your thoughts been so far about, uh, about how they look and, and just what your role is going to be going forward with them? Hi, Dan. Yeah, I, um, I've had one day on the job so far, as far as actually being there in person, um, a lot of the work I've done in around spring training has been features for ESPN and our games. Um, but um, I feel like the biggest thing that stood out to me is the technology aspect. Um, I mean, Alex just mentioned it. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd um, when it comes to not just the numbers, but I think all the gadgets, all the cool tools, all these things that I feel like are at the forefront of where the game is today. So the Edgetonic cameras, the Rapsodos, um, to sit you know, next to – you know, Jacob deGrom and, and learn about how he's understanding his body today um, and how that can, the little subtle changes that he can make in a bullpen with the technology that's giving him instant feedback. Um, I just, I, I get so, you know, geeked up about not just the Mets, but also just where the game is. Um, sitting down with Jim Cavanelli, who's the director of sports performance, which has been a huge thing for me um, and, and just being an Olympic athlete of, of how these guys, the millions of dollars they're getting paid, but yet, you know, the amount of money that's actually going into their bodies in the right way um, as far as the training, the medical, the, the nutrition all being under one umbrella. Um, so I spent, you know, four hours with him just, you know, trying to understand, like, exactly how these guys are recovering, what's their prep like, what's Todd Frazier doing today to not only help his oblique, but then to get him back out there from a nutrition standpoint, training standpoint, what are the doctors saying? I mean, I could go on for days and days because, like, I walk in there and it's it just questions. I mean, I'm, like, bugging everybody. <laughs> and the cool thing about the Mets is, is Brody knows that about me. I think he warned everyone. Um, <laughs> but I, I was I was literally, I'm not just there to sit back. I want to know um, and, and learn and ask a ton of questions. And, again, not just because of understanding the Mets, but really just understanding the game of baseball because, as you know, the front office is at the forefront right now. I feel like where the game is, uh, whether it's the technology or the numbers, it's also just the decision-making. Um, so just kind of understanding what's behind the curtain. Cool. Thanks. 
Thank you. Once again, you're listening to the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Media Conference Call with Alex Rodriguez, Jessica Mendoza, and ESPN Production Executive Mark Gross. A transcript of this call uh, will be issued uh, shortly uh, upon its conclusion, and it will be available on ESPNMediaZone.com. Uh, we have a few more uh, questions for Alex and Jessica. Let's go to Jim Williams with the San Francisco Examiner, uh, followed by Caitlin Davies with the Washington Times. Thanks, Ben. Uh, thanks, Alex and Jessica. This question is to both of you. Thoughts on the San Francisco Giants and where they fall in the uh, – National League West. Alex, you want to take that one first? I'll let Jessica take it since she's been down with the Giants. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're in a, a, you know, I don't know the exact term that they're using, but I feel like they're definitely you in a period where they're... don't have to be polite, they're, Jessica. That's okay. <laughs> they're, they're rebuilding, and I think the biggest right. thing is the farm system. Um, you know, this is a team that has a lot of great leadership, and I, I, I personally want to see, you know, the Giants being able to turn this corner, and obviously with new front office, new leadership, new decisions that are being made, um, instead of going out and getting a ton of big names, really just trying to build, you know, back from the ground up. And I think it starts with their farm system. And I think that's what got depleted so much in the last few years. And when you look at the Buster Poseys and the Brandon Crawfords and the Madison Bumgarners, um, you know, it's just incredible guys with experience that I think can help these young players. I just don't feel like they have all of the right young players in the farm system. And I think that's something they're going to build on. I think they have some great potential guys, but when I look at them today, this year, 2019, um, in the NL West, I think this is going to be a year where, you know, if you're in San Francisco, you're going to go out and watch, you know, a few good players and um, a lot of potential in the future, but I don't think they're going to be someone that's going to contend for the division. And what about the division, Alex? Well, I mean, look, I mean, just to piggyback a little bit on what Jessica said, anytime mm-hmm. you win three championships in, you know, five or six years, um, you there's a natural hangover. And sometimes that hangover mm-hmm. lasts five years. As an organization that's going through incredible changes and you have a manager who's a Hall of Fame manager in Bochy in his last year, you have mm-hmm. to figure out a way to rebuild and uh, and do it in a way where, you're not trying to take too big of a bite uh, too soon. Understand that you do have three to five years, and then hopefully in the next decade you're able to win another one, two, or three championships. Um, when you think about the division, you have to think about the Dodgers, obviously um, uh-huh. playing Kershaw, and they're always going to be Goliath uh, you know, as, as, as long as they're around. Uh, the Padres obviously have made some incredible moves with uh, some very bold moves with um, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer last year, and having, uh, as they say, the number one uh, uh, young farm system in the game is something that you have to keep a close eye on. And I think a lot of eyes will be on the on the Padres, especially the first 60 days of the season. So uh, it should be a lot of good baseball in the NL West. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Jim. Good to have you on. Let's go to Caitlin Davies with the Washington Times, followed by Jeff Sanders with the San Diego Union-Tribune. Hi. I have um, two questions for Alex. Um, 
Alex, um, I know this is kind of piggybacking off of some previous questions, but um, Mike Trout um, recently signing what some would consider the most lucrative contract in baseball history. Um, you being one of the few people that would actually um, can relate to him, what are some pros and cons that you would say uh, of having a contract that big? Well, I can think of a, a lot more pros than I can count cons. Um, it, it, it's hard to to think of any cons when when uh, any of us who have put on the uniform and played the greatest game in the world, the fact that we're actually getting paid to do this, the fact that I'm getting paid to work for ESPN uh, is still a, a dream come true. I think Jessica and Matt would probably echo that as well, um, and as well as Buster. Um, but being part of this game is incredible. He's right at the top. I mean, he is the best player in a $10 billion annual business, and he is a tremendous young man. I have two daughters. If I pray at night to, to say, who, who do I want my daughter to marry someone like, it would be someone that has the characteristics of a Mike Trout. He's a family man. He's humble. Uh, he's in a tremendous market. Uh, Artie Moreno, they call him the George Steinbrenner of the West Coast. Uh, he's a tremendous businessman. And make no mistake, this is an incredible deal for the Angels. Fox paid them $50 million a year. Uh, the new deal is $3 billion for 20 years. It's 150 That's 200% more than they were making last year. And if you think about Ori Moreno, think about him as the landlord that owns a retail center. Mike Trout is simply Walmart. He is an anchor tenant that you build your franchise around. They have a great fan base. They draw 3 million people a year. And uh, winning is going to come after that, but it starts with the greatest players. And this is not sports or baseball business that we're in. We are in the entertainment business. And Artie Moreno, good for him because he understands that he has the best. He rewarded him, and that's great. And my second question for you was, um, what is it like going from being a pro athlete uh, as big as you were to being an analyst? How is that different for you? What does that mean to you? Um, how has life changed? Well, i got to tell you, it's, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's as enjoyable. Nothing was more enjoyable than playing baseball every day uh, to wear spikes in a uniform. The same thing I did at the Boys and Girls Club when I was just a little boy, uh, seven, eight, nine years old. Um, I don't think any, anything would duplicate professionally of uh, you know, playing for the Yankees and winning a championship, that's for sure. But what, what I get to do in the booth is be uh, a steward to the game, I get to be someone that uh, is hopefully an ambassador, someone who calls it fair and straight. And uh, I get to share some of the great stories, some of the great talents that we have today. I mean, if you think about the Alex Bregmans, the Aaron Judges, Carlos Correa, Clayton Kershaw, not only are they world-class talent, but they're also great people. And I think the more that we can reveal who they are, whether it's us riding to the park with them in their cars, whether it's us, you know, going to play golf with them, uh, just revealing, you know, what are their interests outside of the game. I think that's where the low-hanging fruit is in our game today. We need to just really, when we think that we're sharing too much, you know, double and triple up on it because the fans cannot get enough of the great game of baseball. And I would love to see young kids all around the world to be able to see Aaron Judge and Mike Trout, not at 7.05 because the game goes on so late. Most of them are sleeping 
really open up the floodgates from four to seven. I want to see Mike Trout and Aaron Judge every day in the batting cage, even if it's for 10 minutes, on my phone to see if I can emulate and inspire the next generation. And I have one question for Jessica. Jessica, um, I am an intern working with the Washington Times, um, and I'm working on a long-term project. Um, I um, I um, want to do – my editor wants a story um, on women in the industry, and I was wondering if I could personally possibly talk to you offline, off the phone, um, and just get some information from you and talk to you about what it's like um, to be a woman in sports journalism and how the field is changing. For sure, Caitlin. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Jessica. Caitlin, we'll follow up with you offline. Thank you for your questions. Okay. We appreciate Thank you it. very much. Thank you. Let's go to Jeff, Jeff Sanders with the San Diego Union-Tribune, followed by Jenna Lemoncelli with Hollywood Life. Jeff. Yeah, this one is for, for Jessica, since Alex already kind of chimed in on the Padres. I wanted to get your impression of what the Padres have done lobbying to get the Padres on your schedule this year. Hey, Jeff, you were breaking up there. Can you re- try to repeat that? Yeah, I wanted to ask Jessica what her take is on the Padres offseason and whether or not Matt has been lobbying to get his old team on your guys' schedule this year. <laughs> Matt, Matt, who still has this 619, like will not change his area code like forever, I think, is a San Diego at heart um, for sure. I mean, I live in Southern California, too. So, yes, I am all in on. So Mark, Mark's taking notes right now, and he will make sure that <laughs> I wish it was as simple as that. Um, we try to lobby as much as possible. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, for San Diego, the last two off seasons with Eric Cosmer being the biggest signing, of course, now Manny Machado, it feels like six months ago um, that he signed with all the huge contracts that came thereafter. But I, I think when I was talking about the Giants and their farm system and how it needed, just basically it's been depleted, I feel like the Padres are the reverse. You know, I feel like this is a team, as you know, um, that it's really exciting to think about 2020 and 2021. Um, I think 2019, it's still a little bit early, um, but the fact that they went and have these these bigger-name players to be able to bring up these young prospects that uh, I was watching actually a couple spring games, I think it was two weeks ago, and um, there's just a ton of talent that – yeah, might not be fully ready to go 2019, um, but the future is bright. So maybe they're not on our schedule for this year, but I am all for lobbying as many San Diego Padres games so that we can stay warm weather. And to be honest, they'll be a really exciting team to watch, especially starting in 2020. Great. Thanks so much. Terrific. Let's go to Jenna Lemoncelli with Hollywood Life, followed by Gabrielle Starr from Girl at the Game. Jenna. Hi, uh, Jenna Lemonsowie here from Hollywood Life. This question is for Alex and Jess, or either one. Um, it seems as though the baseball in general, the season, especially this one coming up with uh, opening day coming up, that everyone is more in tune and interested with the headlines and the contracts and the individual players itself. Can you speak a little bit about the hype around the baseball season now as opposed to last season? I feel as though everybody's catching on more between social media and things like that. Why do you think that that's so? What is the the hype around the season 
coming up here? Is it because of all the moves, would you say? I mean, I, I, I believe that, you know, people just want to be able to associate and, and, and not just, you know, the baseball fan. There's always going to be the hardcore fan that just wants to watch the game, just wants to, doesn't even matter who, what team, what player. It's just, it's the game and they love it. Um, and then there's, you know, I, I feel like the people that, that I'm around at dinners and, you know, I'm talking to them about the season and now they have these big headlines that, um, you know, whether it's Bryce Harper, whether it's Manny Machado, now Mike Trout, even Alex Bregman, they want to be able to sink their their minds, their teeth into uh, players, like who they are. Yes, they're making a ton of money, but all of a sudden, you know, Bryce Harper signs this contract and people want to know who's he married to? What's his background? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, people that have been in, involved in the game know his background, know so much about him, but for the average person seeing these headlines, I feel like it allows them to get to know someone and if you live any, anywhere in and around Philly and have been a fan, now you know for the next 13 years, I want to know everything about this person. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it's not just the big contracts. It's the fact that you have these names that the sport, I just feel like, so much needs. Rather than it being the Astros win the World Series or the Dodgers have been twice and haven't, yes, those storylines, but what about the players? And who they are, and I think because of the access that we now have, and honestly a lot more of these players putting themselves out there on social media, you're seeing that with these headlines come a real person that with a family, with relatability, with someone that you can really understand. And now guess what? You want to turn on the game a lot more and watch them. That's, that's what I'm seeing, especially from the people that I'm around that probably don't normally maybe watch baseball. They're coming up to me because of these headlines, and they want to know more. They want to know more about these players. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. Alex. No, I'm saying kind of piggybacking a little bit on what Jeff said. I mean, I think any time the game gets to flex one of of its superpower, which is uh, how incredibly well it's doing economically, the fact that the game has quadrupled in revenue uh, since the year 2000, it, it's incredible on its own. You know, the interesting thing, too, is, you know, you you have the Manny Machado signing, and uh, Jessica, I don't know if the same was true for you, when Mike Trout signed, I had probably 30 different people sending me texts and emails on uh, the announcement. But yet, I didn't get one text or email when the Angels uh, extended with Fox for three billion dollars for twenty years, or when the Dodgers sold for two point one billion. So there's this kind of stigma around players uh, making uh, a certain amount of money is really an indication of where the game has gone financially. You know, James Harden uh, in his four-year extension with the Houston Rockets is going to make almost fifty million dollars, and I haven't even heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. So A is good because I'm hoping that we get young kids out there, you know, from age twelve to eighteen that when they're thinking about making a decision of playing football or basketball, they can say, hey, maybe I can be the next Mike Trout or the next Aaron Judge. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to recruit the world's best athletes to play baseball over any other sport. So I think overall is a big win for baseball. Thank you. Terrific. And let's go to Gabrielle Starr from Girl at the Game. Gabrielle. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, this question is for Arod and Jessica. Um, ESPN put out recently on Twitter that you're picking the Red Sox to be fourth for your 2019 
power rankings underneath the Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros, all of whom they had to beat to win the World Series. My question, kind of going back to A-Rod's comment um, about the Astros having a hangover last season, like a World Series hangover, and the fact that the Red Sox lost two of their key bullpen pitchers is, how do you think the Red Sox are actually going to do this year with these changes and just in general? Um, I can jump in. Uh, I I, I've, I mean, I didn't pick them fourth. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, to me, you, they are the defending champs. They're the team to beat. I mean, they are number one in my mind just because I, I get that hangovers happen, um, and we haven't seen repeat now since, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. And, um, and I, I just feel like it, this is a team, though, that because of Alex Cora, and what he brings and being Alex and I were both in and around their team, their clubhouse this spring is there's just this energy. And we, we do this every year. We go to the spring training camp of the team that won the year before. And to be honest, you see exhaustion. You see a man short off season. Here we go again. And kind of just this slow progression to get back out there, you know, a delay almost of, of spring. And what I saw in the Red Sox was just this hunger of like, we're not done. And I know it's easy to see and you never know injuries, everything like that. But I know Alex Cora well, um, and I'm not putting it all on him. They're a talented group. um, And Dave Dombrowski, I'm sure, is not done. I feel like the bullpen piece needs more, and I feel like they will go and get more. I'd be shocked if they don't um, do something before – um, July comes around, but um, with Alex Cora at the head, I just feel like this is a team that he's not going to let have a hangover. It's just not the way he works. He's so relatable to these guys, and he brings that that fire and that hunger. And to me, they're they're still the team to beat. Um, I think the Red Sox are a powerhouse, and uh, they have a. I mean, they have a lot working for them. The trifecta between John Henry. Dave Dombrowski and Alex Cora. That's that's a hard threesome to beat. Uh, it's as good as it gets. And uh, you know the other thing to think about is uh, Alex is relishing the opportunity to defend, really working on being a, a gritty team, a fundamental team. And one of the things that Dombrowski told us at the World Series last year was, "I let Alex pretty much do as he pleases." In today's game of over uh, micromanaging. That is uh, an incredible advantage. And I think Alex showed that in the World Series when he did things that were so unconventional that people were saying, what in the world is he doing? And all he did was win the World Championship with moves with Sale and Price and obviously Nathan Evaldi the way he used them. And then another nugget to think about is two of their best players, uh, Chris Sale and J.D. Martinez. J.D. can possibly opt out and be a free agent. Chris Sale, who hasn't really made significant uh, amount of money for his ability. Uh, both players are looking at this free agent market and probably thinking, I can be a $40 million player once the season's over as a free agent. Thanks so much, Gabrielle. Terrific. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thank you to all of the press members for spending some time with us and for your interest in Sunday Night Baseball. 
and to Alex, Jessica, and Mark for all of your time today. Everybody's super excited about the season. We're ready to start one week from today. ESPN will be in Seattle for the national opening night game, the Boston Red Sox at Seattle Mariners. Uh, there will be a transcript issued shortly. And uh, I should also know we'll come back on Monday afternoon with a Baseball Tonight-focused media call with Mark Teixeira and Ryan Howard. So thanks again to everybody, and have a good day.